From Vermont Digger, I'm Mike Dougherty. This is The Deeper Dig. Today is Friday, May 11th. This week, bills that would raise the state's minimum wage and provide workers with paid family leave both cleared the legislature. But they took unusual paths to get there and faced dim prospects going forward. Our reporter Xander Landon has been following them. The minimum wage bill this session has really been a Democratic priority. Senator Tim Ash, the Senate president, made it clear that it was one of his top goals, this biennium, to get a minimum wage bill passed, basically arguing that ten fifty an hour, which is the current minimum wage, isn't a livable wage. I'd ask each person uh, watching at home or reading um, whether you think an adult living in the state of Vermont in the year 2017, or it will be 2018, can live a decent life with any income security making 10 bucks an hour working full time. It's really been a top priority among Democrats. It passed very early on in the session. It passed back in February, early February. And the House uh, got to the bill this week. When it passed back in February, right then we started to see a lot of the opposition from other members of the legislature. Yeah, Republicans immediately spoke out. The cost will be dramatic and in many cases unbearable. Jobs will be lost and employees' hours will most surely be decreased as employers scramble to meet payroll demands. Republicans this session have always made their opposition to this proposal very loud and clear, basically saying that it would be a serious burden, financial burden on small businesses, particularly in rural areas, and that this proposal raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour would have a ripple effect and increase the cost of goods and services in Vermont and end up being a burden on low-income Vermonters. That's, that's sort of been the argument we've been hearing since the beginning. Who is against higher wages? We're certainly all for higher wages, but an edict from Montpelier doesn't do it. While the Senate is working through that legislation, there's also this other kind of parallel bill in the House specifically having to do with paid family leave? The paid family leave bill actually passed in the House last year and wasn't taken up by the Senate until this year. Essentially what the bill does is that it would impose a payroll tax on employees, and that money would be funneled into a system that allows you to take a maximum of 12 weeks of combined parental leave or six weeks family leave. It's a system that would really rely only on employees paying into it. It wouldn't be a burden on the employer in terms of directly paying for the system. However, one critique of this kind of a proposal is that is that employers would have to deal with the fact that they'd be losing their employees for a significant period of time and have to get a temp worker and spend time, money, and effort in training them So the arguments around these bills are sort of similar for each of them. You have one group of people who are really pressing the benefits for workers. And on the other side, you have people who are really concerned about the effects on business owners. That's fair to say. And even though these two bills have taken more or less parallel paths, the leaders of both chambers have said they don't see them as related. Some people try and link the two together as if minimum wage and paid family leave proposals are uh, inextricably linked. 
which I don't understand. They each try and solve a particular policy problem, in the case of minimum wage, to increase the economic well-being of tens of thousands of people who work full-time and get paid 10 bucks an hour. The other one proposes to deal with the kind of family and other life circumstances that someone might experience. They saw their attempt to solve two different problems, um, so I've always tried to decouple the two and say they should each be judged on their merits. Both these bills are going through. They're being talked about for months at the beginning of the session. But all throughout this, the governor has said he's not going to support either one. That's right. So Governor Scott put out a, a list of about 15 bills that he said he would not support. And one of the bills on that list was the minimum wage bill. He has said, you know, since the beginning that this is not something that he's going to support, that he will veto this bill. I, I believe that that artificially raises uh, the cost of living in Vermont. Um, so uh, rural parts of the state would suffer tremendously with a, uh, with a raise in the artificial raise of the uh, minimum wage. Paid family leave bill wasn't on that list, but he has said that a paid family leave program is not something that he will support. What's the motivation then of lawmakers investing their time and energy into pushing these forward, knowing that they're effectively going to get vetoed. Yeah, I asked that question of um, House Speaker Mitzi Johnson a couple of weeks ago, and she said that this is something that constituents want, a higher minimum wage, and that it's a discussion that, that lawmakers should be having. Back in April, they had this big public hearing. Will you tell me a little bit about what you saw? Yeah, it was a real outpouring of uh, support for, for this proposal. People wanted to see this, this increase in the minimum wage. There were a lot of college students that came out who said that a higher wage would allow them to help pay off their student loans and would maybe even attract more young people to the state to settle and become a part of the economy. I would like to say that I'm from Wyndhamville, Vermont. I commute every day to Montpelier. Um, I get up at 4.30 every day to find suitable work for a temporary position. I am a mom of two. In addition to that, the area that I come from, there's hardly any jobs, as you know. The Northeast Kingdom is hurting. In addition to that, I also work part-time on the weekends. Something needs to change. Thank you. There were workers, older workers, who said that, you know, they'd been working multiple minimum wage jobs for, for a long time and that, you know, working multiple jobs is a reality of, of meeting the cost of living in Vermont. People really wanted to see this bill passed, and I think there was something like maybe more than 30 speakers at this public hearing, maybe only one or two uh, had objections to raising the minimum wage. What did those objections sound like? The one main critic that I remember at this public hearing was a woman who owns a dairy farm and a creamery. And she said that at her creamery, she currently employs employees at $15 an hour. She was concerned that if everyone was paid at $15 an hour, that she would have a hard time attracting good employees. So in the course of the last year, I've raised my base wage from $12 an hour to $15 an hour. And that's because I wasn't attracting quality employees. I have uh, four, uh, six on the cr in the creamery. And our farm crew makes a little bit less than this, but not much. So you're talking, when you're talking 15, you're talking the creamery staff. The creamery staff, the yeah. Farm. $15 an hour is what I need to pay 
to attract good quality employees. And when I did that, when I had to make that jump, I jumped everybody else up. So if somebody was making 13, they were, you know, then they were making 15. If somebody was making 15, now they're making 17 and like that. The Upper Valley is really tight unemployment. That's what people tell me. My experience is it's really hard to find people to work. I have been through a dozen people for, I mean, on a four-person crew, I've hired and, um, and had leave a dozen people. And they come for a little bit. It's a good job. You know, they're, they're making their families work. And then something comes up they got to deal with. And they don't show up for work for a couple days. And then they just keep calling, and then eventually they stop calling. And another one happened this week. Why do you, why do you think it's so hard to, to be competitive where you are? And where do, you, where do you think those people will go? If I can't, I will replace people with machines. Like, that is my only path forward in the future if the, if the pool doesn't improve. It sounds like there were a lot of projections going around about what the economic effects of a $15 minimum wage would be. What evidence do we actually have of some indication of what those effects might be? You know, it's, it's really hard to, to get a sense and, and get a clear answer on that. And that's something that we heard from the chair of the House Appropriations Committee last week. They voted this bill out of their committee without a recommendation or formal endorsement for it to pass the House. Their reasoning for that, according to the chair of the committee, was that economists aren't settled on what the impact of raising the minimum wage is. If you looked at like situations, you could have one analyst or an economist that would read one situation in a positive manner and the exact same, uh, the, the exact same situation, you could get the complete opposite uh, from another analyst. Some will say that raising the minimum wage is great for the economy. Mm-hmm. And then there are some economists who will say that raising the minimum wage leads to lost jobs. It leads to small businesses shuttering, and it can put the economy in peril. The legislative joint fiscal office put out their own numbers. What did they say about what the impacts of this bill might be? It was sort of a mixed bag of a report. It did show that raising the minimum wage to $15 by 2024 would raise wages for about 65,000 Vermonters. But their numbers also reported that there would likely be thousands of jobs lost over time if the wage reached 15 in 2024. How did that Appropriations Committee meeting land? They decided in a vote of six to four that they would bring the bill to the floor so that the full house could vote on it, but that essentially they were going to vote it out without their recommendation. They weren't going to take an official stance on it. Is that unusual? It is unusual. One member told me that in this case, they did it because they couldn't come to a consensus in the committee on the bill. She was the one who made the motion to bring it out onto the floor without recommendation. And she said that she did it because she felt that the full body should have the opportunity to weigh in and uh, make the decision. So like normally, if there's not consensus, they just don't bring that bill forward. It ends there in committee. And in this case, they didn't do that. That's right. We've reported also that on that same day, the paid family leave bill was also in a committee. 
Those votes happened essentially simultaneously on the same afternoon, late on a Friday. The House made its decision to bring the minimum wage bill to the floor without its recommendation. And then shortly after, the Senate Appropriations Committee, which was in possession of the paid family leave bill, voted to do the same thing, to bring the paid family leave bill to the Senate floor without its recommendation. Those committees basically made the same move at more or less the same time. Yes. That committee action last week didn't sit well with some lawmakers. My vote on Friday elicited a visceral reaction that as I went across the interstate, I almost had to pull over the side of the road to throw up because of the politics involved in the whole issue. Maureen Dakin is a representative from Colchester. It's considered a fairly liberal part of the state, but Maureen calls herself a moderate Democrat. And at a caucus meeting right before Tuesday's floor debate, she worried that she might be one of a dying breed. I think that this is going to be a vote on um, whether our Democratic caucus is truly uh, tent for all people who all can think differently and come to different conclusions based on the best work that they've done. I come to believe that there is no room under our big tent for moderates like myself. I sat down with Maureen during a recess this week to hear more about what she meant. I grew up in West Rutland. You know, Rutland County was a Democratic county yeah. at that time. I'm 68 years old, so we're going back a ways. You look at Franklin County. Mm-hmm. Franklin County would have um, what we called moderate to conservative Democrats. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at where the representation is now in those two counties, and it's all, for the most part, it's all Republican. And I look at um, some of the other areas, if I look at Burlington, South Burlington, uh, Montpelier, Brattleboro, Middlebury, to name a few. They're represented by very liberal Ds, slash Ps, or progressives, generally. I served in the legislature from 97 to 204. And then I left for practical purposes. And so it was 10 years before I came back in 14. And you saw a noticeable shift from the time you left yes. and the time you came back? Yes. Yeah. And help me understand, how does that relate specifically to the issue of minimum wage? How did you see those divisions play out in this debate? I don't know how much I can generalize on that because I arrive at my own decisions. It was a goal of the live leadership to get minimum wage out, and there wasn't much room for discussion. In terms of my own decision, being on appropriations, we had the advantage of uh, hours and hours of testimony. So I think I arrived at my decision as a moderate based on evidence that I've heard, that not every committee had the advantage of. So when I saw um, votes going down a certain way, I had to wonder. um, I didn't know what the exact vote was going to be yesterday or who was going to vote. So when I spoke in caucus, it was before that. It was like reading the writing on the wall. And um, since I've been involved since I was 22, it's a different party. You mentioned at that same meeting that when it came to that Appropriations Committee vote on Friday, uh, the, the vote 
you gave that week had they gave you kind of a visceral reaction. I wondered if you could talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, it was a procedural vote. It, it wasn't the issue. It was, you know, it wasn't minimum wage. It was the procedural vote. The two years I've been on appropriations, and I had been on appropriations when I was here earlier, so this is not my first time on appropriations. We, we have taken a vote on the issue every single time. Every single bill that's come before us, we have voted it in or out, however we ended up by voting. So this was the first time um, in these two years, in my other experience, that we've ever voted a bill out without recommendation. Um, so that was new, and it was pretty planned, you know, how it was going to go. Planned by who? What do you mean? Well, I think planned by, um, you know, the, like I told you before, it's been a, a leadership goal, you know, and, um, you know, I expected we were going to be voting on the bill in or out. So it was a surprise um, to be voting on a procedural issue that I had not been aware of before. I voted yes to move it out of committee. Um, but I just felt that, gosh, I should have I fought more to vote on the issue. That's all. I should have fought more to continue our practice of, of um, voting on the issue and not a parliamentary procedure. So they vote that out of the committee without a recommendation. It finally gets to the floor. Madam Speaker, when we think about the minimum wage and its effects on Vermonters, we have to approach it from a point of view that makes us uncomfortable and one that many of us cannot imagine unless we listen. We have to ask hard questions. I can start by simply asking, what is life like on the lowest rung of our economic ladder? And how can we help these Vermonters find a hand up to help them climb the ladder we would all like to believe is there for them? Xander, tell me what you heard in that floor debate. In the floor debate, what we really heard was a lot of what we've been hearing for the last four months. We heard Republicans and independents talking about how the bill would bring destruction to Vermont's economy. They really painted a dire picture. Madam Speaker, we do not possess a magic wand. We cannot pass an edict from Montpelier for $15 and assume there will not be negative consequences to our economy and our small businesses. I am very concerned that this increase in this bill will cause job losses and reductions in hours that will impact a fraction of the very people we are trying to help. This bill will cost jobs, reduced hours and benefits. In addition, this bill is harmful for small business, the backbone of our Vermont economy. What about from the supporters? Did we hear anything new on the floor yesterday? We heard a lot of the same. We, we heard from supporters that passing this bill would be taking a large step to lift Vermonters out of poverty. No one who works 40 hours a week should be living on the cusp of poverty. By raising the minimum wage over time to $15 per hour, we take another step towards a more just economy. A rising tide lifts all boats. A rising minimum wage has put more money in my employees' pockets, and that is invaluable in so many different ways. 
It gives me a great deal of relief that a rising minimum wage helps my employees meet their basic needs. Anytime I have the opportunity to vote to give more money to Vermonters, I'll do it. But it sounds like in the end, this same tension that's been kind of dogging this issue for the entire session didn't get resolved. Yeah, I mean, the vote was pretty close. Uh, it was a vote of 77 in favor, 69 opposed. This was on the preliminary vote. Today, the bill officially passed on a voice vote. It's clear that the House was almost completely divided on whether this would be a good decision for, for Vermonters and the Vermont economy. Thanks, Sander. Thank you for having me. You can find Xander's ongoing coverage of this legislation at vtdigger.org, along with Kelsey Neubauer's reporting on paid family leave and dispatches from our full statehouse team about the closing days of the legislative session. We're also right in the middle of VT Digger's spring fund drive. Your financial support makes this kind of detailed legislative coverage possible. You can give today at vtdigger.org slash donate. The Deeper Dig comes out every week. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. Have a nice weekend.